and welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. First, 3rd Nephi chapter 12, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words unto Nephi, and to those who had been called, now the number of them who had been called and received power and authority to baptize was twelve. And behold, he stretched forth his hand unto the multitude, and cried unto them, saying, Blessed are ye, if ye shall give heed unto the words of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you, to minister unto you, and to be your servants. And unto them have I given power, that they may baptize you with water. And after that ye are baptized with water, behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, blessed are ye, if ye shall believe in me and be baptized, after that ye have seen me and know that I am. Joseph Smith said, and this is on LDS.org, you might as well baptize a bag of sand as a man, if not done in view of the remission of sins and getting the Holy Ghost. Baptism by water is but half a baptism, and is good for nothing without the other half. That is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Savior says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And there are a few things that we have to understand. One is that we did not receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost when we were confirmed a member of the LDS Church. And that baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is something that we need to make one of our life's quests. Joseph also said, in the History of the Church, Volume 1, pages 314 through 15, I will proceed to tell you what the Lord requires of all people, high and low, rich and poor, male and female, ministers and people, professors of religion and non-professors, in order that they may enjoy the Holy Spirit of God to a fullness and escape the judgments of God, which are almost ready to burst upon the nations of the earth. Repent of all your sins and be baptized in water for the remission of them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and receive the ordinances of the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. That ye may receive the Holy Spirit of God. And this is according to the Holy Scriptures and the Book of Mormon. And the only way that man can enter into the celestial kingdom. These are the requirements of the new covenant or first principles of the gospel of Christ. It's a cross-reference, Alma chapter 7, verse 14. Now I say unto you that ye must repent and be born again. And to be born again is to receive the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For the Spirit saith that if ye are not born again, ye cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore come and be baptized unto repentance, that ye may be washed from your sins, that ye may have faith on the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world who is mighty to save and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. For the Spirit saith, if ye are not born again, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So for those people who are here saying, why should I invest the time and energy into receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
You cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven without it. At the end of the King Follett Discourse, Joseph Smith said, we will leave this subject here and make a few remarks upon baptism, the baptism of water with the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost attending it. All three are necessary and inseparably connected. A man must be born of water and the spirit in order to get into the kingdom of God. The German Bible has a text that bears me out the same as the revelations, which I've given and taught for 14 years about baptism. I have the testimony to put in their teeth that my testimony has been true all the time. You will find in the declaration of John the Baptist, I will read a text in German upon baptism. It reads, John says, I baptized you with water. But when Jesus Christ comes, who has the power and keys, he will administer the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Where is all the sectarian world if this testimony is true? They are all damned as clearly as any anathema ever was. I know the text is true. Alexander Campbell, how are you going to save them with water? For John said that his baptism was good for nothing without the baptism of Jesus Christ. Many talk of any baptism not being essential to salvation, but this would lay the foundation of their damnation, leaving the principles of the doctrine of baptism and etc. There is one God, one Father, one Jesus, one hope of our calling, one baptism, that is all three baptisms make one. Now, the beginning of my journey to seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, began when I was an LDS missionary. And I had been reading the Doctrine and Covenants. And I came across passages in the Doctrine and Covenants that we are supposed to seek the face of Christ in this life. And the Spirit impressed heavily upon me the necessity of seeking after the face of Jesus Christ in this life. So at my next interview with my mission president, I said, present, here's what the scriptures say, and here's what the Spirit impressed upon me. And he said, elder, we don't talk about that. In fact, we don't even think about that in this life. That's reserved exclusively for the next life. And the Spirit said to me, your mission president is a good man. However, he is mistaken on this point. So with nobody that I could go talk to, for almost 25 years every day, I prayed for further light and knowledge. And then one day, everything changed. It was 2015, and I was at my factory. And I had been pondering the signs in the heavens. We had three uh, blood moons. We had four blood moons and two solar eclipses, all in major Jewish holidays, for the first time in 7,000 years. And I thought to myself, this must be a sign in the heavens of some event that is going to transpire on the earth. As I took different options to the Lord, it was impressed upon me that these signs were heralding the countdown to the event Adam on Diamond, or when all of those who held dispensational keys from Adam down to Joseph Smith would return to Adam on Diamond, deliver their keys back up to Father, they would be given from Father to Christ, and then Christ would give them to those who would need them for their missions in preparing the earth for a turn of Christ in his glory 
i.e. Joseph Smith and John the Revelator, and the 144,000, we begin to be called and ordained. So as I was leaving the factory that night, I'm climbing up into my vehicle, and a voice from behind me said, do you have any money? Now, I never carry cash on me, but I happen to have $20 in my vehicle, so I reach over, and I grab the $20, and I turn around, and I hand it to the gentleman, and I ask him, hey, would this help? Now, there was something different about this man's face because light was coming out of it, and it seemed like flashlights were on in his eyes. And I had the quick impression that I was talking to an angel. And so I asked him, well, tell me your feelings about God. And he proceeded to bear one of the most powerful witnesses of Christ that I'd ever heard. And the Spirit bore witness to his testimony. And I said, well, in that light, we have signs in the heavens this year. I believe they're heralding the countdown to Adam on Diamond. What do you think about that? And he looked around and he said, well, I don't know what's about to happen. But then he looks me dead in the eye, but I do know that something is about to happen. And then he said, you and I better be on the first bus out of here before Christ comes or we're not going to make it. And then he said the very thing that I had noticed about him back to me, of which I had said nothing. He said, I see a light in your eyes that I don't see in many people. And then this 70-year-old looking man bolts off as if he's a 21-year-old track star and he's gone. Well, my electrician had been watching from his truck. He left the factory at the same time I did. And he walked over and he said to me, you know, that was an angel, don't you? And I said, well, I did, that. I did have that impression. But it was the next morning. As I finished reading the Book of Mormon, I knelt down. And I said, Heavenly Father, here's what happened last night. I had an impression that I was talking to an angel. Dave said he was an angel. Was he, in fact, a true messenger? And was the message that he gave me from you? And I was impressed to open up to Moroni 7 and read the last half of the chapter. And part of it was about angels appearing to men before the coming of Christ. And so I knelt back down and I said, Father, I just asked you if he was a true messenger. And if his message was from you, and you had me read these verses in Moroni 7, I'm going to take that as a yes. Have I come to the right conclusion? That's when I got a witness of the Spirit. That's when I knew for a fact that he was a true messenger, that the countdown to Adam on Diamond was being heralded by these signs in the heavens, that I was on the right track, that the conclusion that I had come to that I needed to be listening to the voice of the Spirit better than I had in the past, and when the Spirit spoke that I needed to act immediately um, was the right track. And it was as if scales fell from my eyes from that day forward. Or as I reread the Book of Mormon, I found what I had been searching for for almost 25 years right before me, and it was the doctrine of Christ. It was precise how we are to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest in this life. And it all begins with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which I was almost certain that I had already received. So <clears throat> I was sitting in church, you know, the next Sunday, and the Spirit was impressing so mightily upon me that I must find out for certain 
whether or not I had received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, I walk out of the church building, still on the church grounds, I offer up a prayer, and I ask, Father, have I received the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost? And I was shocked when the answer came loud and clear, no. And all my pride was deflated. And I said, okay, Father, I now covenant with thee that I give thee permission to give me any experience that I yet lack, to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that I might receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I'm ready for the next experience to start right now. And I lay everything upon the altar, everything I am, everything I have, everything that I will become, my will and my life. And over the next six months, my life, my life changed in the most dramatic ways possible. As Father gave me the rest of the experiences that I needed to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that I might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So six months later, I wake up and the spirit says to me, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I said, what am I willing to sacrifice? Over the last six months, I've had to sacrifice quite a lot. And the spirit said, no, I don't mean external things. I mean internally. What are you willing to sacrifice? And I said, well, in addition to everything, because I can tell you're looking for something specific. Here is what I'm willing to sacrifice internally. And the Spirit said, you're going to be offering a prayer today, and you better prepare for it. I didn't know why. I didn't know when. But I was given the subject matter, and it was Pentecost. The day on which the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So that night, as Providence would have it, I'd been invited to a celebration of holy days at a home in Highland. And the, the house was packed with people, and there were all kinds of people there. There were university professors, um, a woman who worked with Mother Teresa in India, um, ecclesiastical leaders, and everybody in between. And I was sitting on the front row, listening to a BYU professor give a presentation on Pentecost. And as he gave his presentation on Pentecost, my heart burned within me. And the Spirit said to me, as soon as he finishes, you are to offer the prayer that you've been preparing for all day long. And I said, well, Father, this hardly seems like the time or the place I'm in front of a house full of people whom I do not know. And there's a whole organized printed program and I'm not on it. But so powerful was the impression of the spirit. I said, Father, I will find a way. And as soon as I declared my determination to Father, the voice of the spirit told me exactly what I was supposed to do. The spirit said, as soon as he finishes his presentation, just lean over to the woman sitting next to you who organized the event and ask her if you can offer a prayer. So once the professor finished, before I could lean over to her, she leaned over to me and she asked me to offer a prayer. Now, how does that happen except by the spirit? And so I knelt down, but the spirit couldn't let me off quite that easy. The spirit said, you're not just going to pray. You're going to cry out unto God. And so I gulped and I said, okay. And then the spirit said, and as you cry out unto God, you're going to raise your hands high above your head. 
And I just went, oh, no. These people are going to run me out on a rail. However, I was obedient to the voice of the Spirit. And the first 15 seconds of that prayer was a prayer of preparation. And then a transition took place. It transitioned from a prayer of preparation to a prayer of revelation. And at that point, it was no longer me talking. It was as if I was sitting across the room, just listening to the words that were coming out of my mouth, which were far beyond my own ability. And once that transition took place, that fire that had engulfed my heart, it spread to my entire body, and now my body was on fire. And then it felt like someone thrust a sword deep into my chest. Now part of me was starting to die. And then it felt like I took hold of two high-voltage power electrical lines, and I started to be electrocuted. So my body's on fire. I have a sword in my chest. Part of me is dying. And I'm being electrocuted. And once th these three things were going on all at once, the Spirit said powerfully to me, you are receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And immediately I knew why none of my prayer baptisms of fire had been the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, once the Spirit finished crying out unto God through me, I sat back in my chair. And I slumped down, being overwhelmed by what was happening to me. And the woman who asked me to say the prayer, she leans over to me again, and she said, I feel electricity coming off of your body. Well, the intensity continued the entire night. But at some point that night, it felt like a balanced scale between birth and death, as the feeling of death and dying became a little bit less, and the feeling of being born again became stronger and stronger. Well, it continued as I was driving home that evening, and I really shouldn't have been driving because I was driving under the influence of the Spirit, and I barely make it home. Well, when I awakened the next morning, I was not the same man that I had been the prior morning when I had awakened. Every cell in my body cried out in testimony, you have been born again a son of God. So, I opened up the scriptures. And what the day before had been like turning on the kitchen faucet in terms of thoughts, ideas, and impressions that would come into my mind as I would pray this day, it was like multiple fire hoses had been turned on. And then I knelt to pray. And that two-way connection with heaven that usually takes a lot of time and effort and battle and struggle to achieve, it seemed to come almost immediately. And I woke up the next day and I was still changed. And I woke up the next day and I was still changed. Well, that weekend, there was an Isaiah conference at UVU. And in the uh, foyer, the woman in whose home I had been at the previous evening, she walked up to me and she, she recognized me and she said, what a powerful outpouring of the spirit we had the other night. It's too bad that that intensity can't remain with us. And the only thing that I could do was look at her and say, for me, it has remained. Then I thought, well, what's next? Well, I knew what was next. After you receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you are seek to be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest.
And as soon as this thought came to me, immediately the voice of the adversary came to my mind saying, who do you think you are? What an audacious thought. And so I texted a good friend and I asked him, am I being too audacious to think that I could begin the process of entering into the Lord's rest? And he texted me back and he said, the Lord loves audacious. And that is precisely what I needed to hear. Now, going back to the scriptures. Let's go to DNC chapter 22, DNC section 22. Verse 1, behold, I see unto you that all old commandments or all old covenants have I caused to be done away in this thing. And this is a new and everlasting covenant, even that which was from the beginning. Now, what covenant is the Lord referring to? He's referring to the new and everlasting covenant of baptism. Into the fullness of the gospel, baptism of water and of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2, wherefore, although a man should be baptized a hundred times, it availeth him nothing. For he cannot enter in at the straight gate by the law of Moses, neither by your dead works. Well, what is the straight gate? The straight gate is talked about in several places in Scripture, but probably the greatest explanation is in 2 Nephi 31, where we find out that entering in to the straight gate begins with repentance, then baptism of water, then the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. For it is because of your dead works, verse 3, that I have caused this last covenant and this church to be built up unto me even as in days of old. For the new and everlasting covenant of baptism is the same as the covenant that was established at the first, even with Adam. If we go to Moses chapter 6. Verses 64 through 68. And it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord and was caught away by the spirit. And the Lord was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water, and thus was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the Spirit, and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire, and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son, from henceforth and forever. And thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days or end of years, from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. For through the full baptismal covenant of water and fire and Holy Ghost, Christ extends his name to us. And we become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. The Gentile blood is burned out of us. 
and we become blood Israel. And we now have access to that level of revelation in the heavens, whereby we might be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord, not in the next life, in this life. For it is the opportunity of God's people in every generation in which the fullness of the gospel is on the earth. If they will enter into the new and everlasting covenant to be brought by Christ into his presence in his glory, which is more than to see Christ in vision, which is more even than to have Christ come down here and visit us on this earth like he did with the Nephites or as he did with his 12 apostles after his resurrection. It is to have an ascension experience like Moses had in Moses 1 or Nephi had in 1 Nephi chapter 11, where we actually go up to the high mountain or the seventh heaven or that place in the heavens where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory. And that is the aim of the doctrine of Christ not only to bring us to his, into his presence in this life, but that ultimately we might become precisely as he is. Now in Moses chapter 8, verses 23 and 24, we find out that Noah taught the doctrine of Christ to his people, to prepare them to escape the destructions that were about to befall them. For a worldwide catastrophe was coming quickly upon them, just as it is coming quickly upon us. And just as Noah was to gather out the strength of the Lord's house from the people of the whole earth, that they might be spared destruction in his day before the flood. So, is the end-time Davidic servant who is going to come on the scene, commissioned with gathering out the strength of the Lord's house in our day from the four corners of the earth that they might be despaired the worldwide destructions which are coming. Moses 8. Verse 16, and it came to pass that Noah prophesied and taught the things of God, even as it was in the beginning. And that which was in the beginning is precisely what we read in Moses chapter 6 regarding Adam. Verse 19, and the Lord ordained Noah after his own order and command and commanded him that he should go forth and declare his gospel unto the children of men, even as it was given unto Enoch. Now, what does it mean that the Lord ordained Noah after his own order? If we go to Alma chapter 13. Verse 1, and again, my brethren, I would cite your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. And I would that ye should remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order, 
So God's order is the holy order. And what is the holy order? The holy order pertains to those who have been ordained to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood. Um, there are four orders of the priesthood that have been revealed to man so far on this earth. Two orders of Aaronic, two orders of Melchizedek. The first order of Aaronic priesthood is what we call the Levitical order, which does not have the power to bless, but only to bind heavy burdens. The second order of Aaronic priesthood is what we call the Aaronic priesthood, which holds the key to the ministering of angels and the authority to officiate in the preparatory gospel or the telestial order of the gospel. The first order of Melchizedek priesthood was restored to Joseph Smith by Peter, James, and John. And with it, the authority to officiate in the terrestrial order of the gospel or the church of Christ, and to perform the ordinances or direct the performances of the ordinances that pertain to the church of Christ, namely the baptism of water and fire and the Holy Ghost. For the telestial preparatory gospel only has one uh, order of baptism, and that is baptism by water into the preparatory gospel. Verses baptism into the fullness of the gospel, we are to receive baptism of water and fire and the Holy Ghost. The second order of Melchizedek priesthood was given to Joseph Smith on June 4th, 1831 at the Isaac Morley farm. And with its conferral, the holy order was restored back to the earth. And with the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the office of high priest in the holy order, which is different than the office of high priest that the LDS church has today, or which existed among the children of Israel anciently, for there is also the office of high priest in the Aaronic order. And so John the Baptist's father was the high priest in the Aaronic order at that time. But the holy order pertains to the second order of Melchizedek priesthood. The Lord God ordained priests after his holy order, which was after the order of his son to teach these things unto the people. And those priests were ordained after the order of his son, in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. Or in other words, Since there are no shortcuts on the path of ascension, the path is the same for everyone. The path is the same for every woman, and the path is the same for every man. And, you know, this path is outlined in DNC 76. Verse 51 is baptism of water into the fullness of the gospel. Verse 52 is the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verses 53 and 54 are to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is Jesus Christ, which sealing is to have one's calling and election made sure, and thus be declared just and true and become members of the church of the firstborn. The next level, you know, for men is to receive the second order of Melchizedek priesthood and thus become members of the holy order. 
And this is what is being talked about in verses 56 to 58. They are they who are priests and kings who have received of his fullness and of his glory. And are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten Son. Wherefore, as it is written, they are God's little g, even the sons of God, big G. This is a high priest in the holy order who has had that order sealed upon him. And it is the mission, as outlined in Alma 13, of a high priest in the holy order, to work with the people and to teach them the doctrine of Christ, and to perform the ordinances of baptism, of water, and of fire, and the Holy Ghost, and to teach how we are to come unto Christ, part the veil, and enter into his rest, and then go on from there. And, you know, this was the charge for Adam. This was the charge for Noah. And this has been the charge for all of the holy prophets from the days of Adam until the days of Joseph Smith. Now, in John chapter 1. Verses 29 through 34. And here we have John the Revelator, who is quoting from the record of John the Baptist. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after he cometh, or after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but he that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, when the Spirit descended upon Christ um, with the form of a dove, this was Christ's baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we know from DNC 76, verse 52, that the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is a priesthood ordinance. Verse 52 says that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. So, there are two parts to every priesthood. First is the ordination, and then there must be a sealing after a man passes the test that is associated with that order of the priesthood. 
And only after a man has had the first order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon him is he authorized to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And just as Jesus Christ received baptism of water by John the Baptist, who had the authority to perform that ordinance for him, so did Christ receive the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when after his baptism by water, the man that officiated in the office of Holy Ghost came down from heaven and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost for Christ. Now, if we go to DNC 93. We read an excerpt from the record of John the Baptist, which is yet to come forth and will come forth when the end time servant brings the translation of the record of the 12 apostles. Verses 15 through 17. And I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were open, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And sat upon him, and there came a voice out of heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son. And I, John, bear record that he received the fullness of glory of the Father. Well, Christ receiving the fullness of glory of the Father was in connection to the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. As we're going to read in Acts, that's also when Christ's twelve apostles received power in the priesthood. And everything changed, and they were changed. Verse 17, and he received all power both in heaven and on earth, and the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. And it shall come to pass that if you are faithful, you shall receive the fullness of the record of John. Now, what's important to understand that with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, what we receive is higher level access to the knowledge and power that is encoded within the light of Christ. So before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, every man, every woman that's born into the world has sufficient access to the light of Christ to be instructed sufficiently that they might know good from evil. And depending upon the heed and diligence that we pay to that portion of the light of Christ that we have access to, we either are given greater access to the light of Christ or lesser access. Well, after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have the greatest increase in access to the light of Christ of our entire life. And we are given keys of knowledge. The keys to unlock that portion of knowledge encoded within the light of Christ about how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest, and also to access power greater than what we had access to before. Now, this is described in Moses 6. Verse 61, therefore it is given to abide in you, this is talking about when one receives the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, the record of heaven. Well, why is it called the record of heaven? 
because encoded within the light of Christ is all knowledge. And it is the knowledge about the power of godliness or how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest in this life. The record of heaven, the comforter, the peaceable things of immortal glory, the truth of all things, that which quickeneth all things. For it is the light of Christ which originates from the body of Jesus Christ and permeates every part of the terrestrial part of this universe. And there's a set of veils that separate the terrestrial part of the universe from the telestial. And the man who officiates in the office of Holy Ghost oversees those set of veils. And he oversees this process of the administration of the light of Christ to the inhabitants of the earth. And this portion of terrestrial glory, which emanates from the body of Christ that comes through that set of veils, is what we call the light of Christ. And it is a physical substance, but it is a very pure matter. And it contains all knowledge and it contains all power in the heavens. And it permeates every part of this celestial part of the universe except for outer darkness. And it is the net input or increase in energy that allows ordered systems to remain ordered. You know, in Newton's laws of physics, there's a law of entropy that things move towards disorder or entropy unless there is a net input of energy. Well, the net input of energy that prevents neutrons from decaying into electrons and protons. And the only reason that in the telestial part of the universe, everything has not decayed into plasma or free electrons and free protons is because of the light of Christ. It literally is what enables the matter in the universe to remain organized. So, that which quickeneth all things, that which maketh alive all things, life would not be possible without the light of Christ. There would be no life, there would be no earth, there would be no sun, nothing else that we consider organized matter to be would exist. That which knoweth all things and hath all power according to wisdom, mercy, truth, justice, and judgment. For when a woman exercises the power of faith, the power that she is able to exercise is through the light of Christ. When a man exercises power in the priesthood, that power is also exercised through faith, through seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. And what actually allows the exercise of power is the light of Christ. And so as a man receives priesthood, he's given greater and greater keys to the exercise of power through the light of Christ. As that priesthood is sealed upon him, he gains greater and greater keys, and he is able to exercise that power through faith. 
Now, in 1 Nephi chapter 11, during Nephi's ascension experience, where he is taken up to the high mountain or the seventh heaven, he sees a vision of the future baptism of water and fire and the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ, some 600 years before the actual event. Verses 26 and 27. And the angel said unto me again, look and behold the condescension of God. This is the second condescension of God mentioned in this experience. The first was the condescension of God the Father. The second is the condescension of God the Son. And I looked and beheld the Redeemer of the world of whom my father had spoken. And I also beheld the prophet who should prepare the way before him. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open, and the Holy Ghost came down out of heaven and abide upon him in the form of a dove. And I would tell you when it says, the Holy Ghost come down out of heaven. That is literal. The man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost came down from heaven. And those who were there to witness it um, saw a dove descending out of the air. But Christ and John the Baptist, they witnessed the man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost coming down from heaven and performing the ordinance. And 2 Nephi 31. Verse 2. Wherefore the things which I have written sufficeth me, Save it be a few words which I must speak concerning the doctrine of Christ. Wherefore, I shall speak unto you plainly according to the plainness of my prophesying. And verse 5. And now if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water. To fulfill all righteousness, oh then, how much more need have we being unholy to be baptized, yea, even by water. And now I would ask of you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill all righteousness in being baptized by water. Know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that according to the flesh he humbleth himself before the Father and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And again, it showeth unto the children of men the straightness of the path and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter, he having set the example before them. Or in other words, there is no way to come back into the presence of God and abide there and to become even as he is without receiving Baptism of water by proper authority and the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Alma, chapter 7. 
again, verse 14. Now I say unto you that ye must repent and be born again, for the Spirit saith unto me, if ye are not born again, ye cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. There is no other way. And verse 10 in 2 Nephi 31. And he said unto the children of men, Follow thou me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus, save we be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? And now he's about to tell us what the foundational commandments of the Father are. Repent ye, repent ye. Now, what does it mean to repent? Well, the light of Christ informs our conscience about what we need to repent of. And this is the first level of repentance. And we need to do those things that our conscience instructs us to repent of. And then we need to ask Father, Heavenly Father, what do I still need to repent of? And we will receive a list from Father. And then we need to ask him, Father, what would you have me do to repent of these items? And he will give us instruction. And it's when we fulfill the law of repentance that we receive the Spirit of Christ unto the remission of our sins in preparation for baptism of water into the fullness of the gospel. And again, verse 11, And the Father said, Repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost like unto me. Wherefore, follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. So Christ is the perfect example. He showed us what we must do. He was baptized with water and with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and so must we. Now let's go to JST Matthew. Chapter 3, verses 30. Verse 22. But he answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, all sins which men have committed, when they repent, shall be forgiven them. For I came to preach repentance unto the sons of men. And blasphemies, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme, shall be forgiven them that come unto me, and do the works which they have seen me do. But there is a sin which shall not be forgiven. He that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of being cut down out of the world, and they shall inherit eternal damnation. And he said unto them, because they said, he hath an unclean spirit. 
And there's a cross-reference, 2 Nephi 31, verse 14. But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments. And how do we witness unto the Father that we're willing to keep his commandments? Well, we have to take the Holy Spirit as our guide. And this is before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. We have to establish a relationship with God, sufficient that we can receive instruction from the Holy Spirit about what is required of us to come into a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. After ye have repented of your sins and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by baptism of water and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that you had not known me. And In Acts chapter 1, we have the account of Christ instructing his apostles after his resurrection and visiting them that they are to tarry in Jerusalem and to finish their preparations to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or sufferings by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is Christ's 40 day ministry to his apostles after his resurrection, during which time he restores the holy order. To them, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now Christ ordained his twelve apostles during his mortal ministry to the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. But it wouldn't be until the morning before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they would have this priesthood sealed upon them, that they might be able to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, for this would open a dispensation of the fullness of the gospel. Um, the one having just closed with the death of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Or in other words, pillars of fire, spirit pillars of spiritual fire came down from heaven and surrounded each of the 12 apostles. And this is part of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is always a column of spiritual fire that comes down from heaven and surrounds the individual, just like we read in Helaman. Chapter 5. Of the 300 Lamanites who received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, as the prison guards came to kill the two missionary brothers, Nephi and Lehi. Starting in verse 43. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about, they saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them. Behold, they saw that every soul was encircled about by a pillar of fire. This is the same as the cloven tongues of fire described coming down upon the 12 apostles in Acts. And Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, yea, they were encircled about, yea, they were as if in the midst of a flaming fire. Yet it had harmed them not, neither did it take hold upon the prison walls of the prison. And they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. And behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire. And they could speak forth marvelous words. And it came to pass that there came a voice unto them, yea, a pleasant voice as if it were a whisper, saying, Peace, peace be unto you because of your faith in my well-beloved, who was from the foundation of the world. And now when they heard these things, they cast their eyes as if to behold from whence the voice came. And behold, they saw the heavens open, and angels came down out of heaven and ministered unto them. So, the pillars of fire came down from heaven, and also angels came down and ministered to them. With every baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, angels are always in attendance at ministering, or ministering to the individuals who are receiving that ordinance. And back to Acts chapter 2, verse 3 again. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the speaking with other tongues is an example of speaking with the tongue of angels. Now, speaking with the tongue of angels is simply to speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost of which speaking in tongues is just one example of speaking with the tongue of angels. But usually speaking with the tongue of angels isn't speaking in a foreign tongue, but simply speaking by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. If we go back to 2 Nephi 31, 
Verse 13, wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism, yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water according to his word. Behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost, yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. And back to Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And the reason is that while receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the 12 apostles were able to speak with the tongue of angels. And in this instance, what was required or what was appropriate was that it be speaking in tongues. Um, but speaking with the tongue of angels, another example would be able being able to speak uh, with the spirit of prophecy. Just like King Benjamin's people, when they received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So in Mosiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, which words were delivered unto him so that he might give his people the final pieces that they needed to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That he cast his eyes round about the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. And they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, Oh, have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins. That our hearts may be purified, for we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things who shall come down among the children of men. And it came to pass that after they had all spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And they were filled with joy having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ who should come, according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. And chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had thus spoken to his people, he sent among them, desiring to know of his people if they believed the words which he had spoken unto them. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us. And also we know of their surety and truth, because of the Spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil but to do good continually. And we ourselves also through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his Spirit have great views of that which is to come, and were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. Another example of being able to speak with the tongue of angels.
Now in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And the time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad and went, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regarded because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And again, it was the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the sealing of the first order of Melchizedek priesthood that enabled the 12 apostles through faith to exercise the powers of heaven, just as we read in Moses chapter 6, regarding the power contained within the light of Christ. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Um, again, the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is a priesthood ordinance performed by the laying on of hands. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perisheth with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Now notice that even though Simon had been baptized, yet he had not been, or had the first order of Melchizedek conferred upon him and had it sealed upon him. Therefore, he could not perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, if we go to 3 Nephi chapter 18, 
we have an account of Christ sealing this first order of Melchizedek priesthood upon his 12 disciples whom he had called in 3rd Nephi chapter 11 when he came to visit the Nephites. And with this sealing, he gave them commandment and instruction about performing the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 36, and it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of these sayings, he touched with his hand the disciples whom he had chosen, one by one, even until he had touched them all, and he spake unto them as he touched them. And the multitude heard not the words which he spake, therefore they did not bear record. But the disciples bear record that he gave them power to give the Holy Ghost. And I will show unto you hereafter that this record is true. And if we go to Moroni chapter 2, we get the expansion of the instruction that Christ gave his 12 disciples at the time he sealed the first order of Melchizedek priesthood upon them. Moroni chapter 2, verse 1, And the words of Christ which he spake unto his disciples, the 12, whom he had chosen as he laid his hands upon them. And he called them by name, saying, Ye shall call on the Father in my name, in mighty prayer. And after ye have done this, ye shall have power that to him upon whom ye shall lay your hands, ye shall give the Holy Ghost, and in my name shall ye give it, for thus do mine apostles. So is all that is required to give the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is for a man who's been ordained and sealed to the first order of Melchizedek priesthood to perform the ordinance? It is not. Notice in verse 2, it says, Ye shall call on the Father in my name in mighty prayer, and after ye have done this, ye shall have power. So before a man or woman can receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost first, they must prove themselves true and faithful to God. In obeying the Spirit and doing everything required of them to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And when they have, Christ will plead their case before Father, and when he receives permission from Father to adopt them as sons or daughters, then is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, authorized to be performed. And this is why Christ instructed his 12 disciples that first they must cry unto Father in mighty prayer, so that they can receive that confirmation that the individual is authorized because Christ has pled their case before Father to receive that ordinance. And when that man who's been ordained and sealed does cry unto God and receives that knowledge, then God endows the man to perform the ordinance with an endowment of power to perform that ordinance. And then is he able to lay his hands upon an individual and perform the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, it needs to be clarified that this ordinance can be performed during an open dispensation only of the fullness of the gospel by a man who's been ordained and sealed unto this power, whether he be on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil. So whether it's... Um, a translated being, or whether it's a mortal man, it does not matter if he has been ordained and sealed. But in general, the further we get into 
a restoration, the more common it will be for this ordinance to be reformed by a man on this side of the veil who's been ordained and sealed to this power. Now, if we go to Mosiah 27. And I would also say that the timing of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost for an individual depends both on what they did prior to this life and also what they do in this life. And that's why Alma the Younger was able to receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost immediately upon repenting from um, his wickedness. It was because of what he had done prior to coming into uh, that mortality. Mosiah 27. Verse 10. And now it came to pass that while he, Alma the Younger, was going about to destroy the church of God, for he did go about secretly with the sons of Mosiah, seeking to destroy the church and to lead astray the people of the Lord, contrary to the commandments of God or even the king. And as I said unto you, as they were going about rebelling against God, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and he descended as it were in a cloud, and he spake as it were with a voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake upon which they stood. And so great was their astonishment that they fell to the earth and understood not the words which he spake unto them. Nevertheless, he cried again, saying, Alma, arise and stand forth, for why persecute thou the church of God? For the Lord has said, this is my church, and I will establish it, and nothing shall overthrow it, save it be the transgression of my people. And again, the angel said, Behold, the Lord hath heard the prayers of his people, and also the prayers of his servant Alma, who is thy father, for he has prayed with much faith concerning thee, that thou mightest be brought to the knowledge of the truth. Therefore, for this purpose, I have come to convince thee of the power and authority of God, that the prayers of his servants might be answered according to their faith. And now, behold, can ye dispute the power of God? For behold, doth not my voice shake the earth? And can ye not also behold me before you? And I am sent from God. And now I say unto thee, Go and remember the captivity of thy fathers in the land of Helam and in the land of Nephi. And remember how great things he has done for them. And they were in bondage and he has delivered them. And now I say unto thee, Alma, go thy way and seek to destroy the church no more, that thy prayers may be answered and this even if thou wilt of thyself be cast off. And now it came to pass that these were the last words which the angel spake unto Alma, and he departed. And now Alma and those that were with him fell again to the earth. For great was their astonishment, for with their own eyes they had beheld an angel of the Lord, and his voice was as thunder, which shook the earth, and they knew that they were that there was nothing save the power of God, that could shake the earth and cause it to tremble as though it would be part asunder. And now the astonishment of Alma was so great that he became dumb, that he could not open his mouth. Yea, he became weak, even that he could not move his hands. 
Therefore, he was taken by those that were with him and carried helpless, even until he was laid before his father. And they rehearsed unto his father all that had happened unto them. And his father rejoiced, for he knew that it was the power of God. And he caused that the multitude should be gathered together, that they might witness what the Lord had done for his son and also for those who were with him. And he caused that the priests should assemble themselves together. And they began to fast and to pray to the Lord their God, that he would open the mouth of Alma, that he might speak, and also that his limbs might receive their strength, that the eyes of the people might be open to see and to know of the goodness and glory of God. And it came to pass that after they had fasted and prayed for the space of two days and two nights, the limbs of Alma received their strength, and he stood up and began to speak unto them, bidding them to be of good comfort. For, said he, I have repented of my sins, and I have been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. Or in other words, Alma the younger received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women and all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again, yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and his daughters. And thus they become new creatures. And unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. And I say unto you, unless this be the case, they must be cast off, and this I know because I was like to be cast off. Nevertheless, after waiting through much tribulation, repenting nigh unto death, the Lord in mercy has seen fit to snatch me out of an everlasting burning, and I am born of God. My soul hath been redeemed from the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity, and I was in the darkest abyss, but now I behold the marvelous light of God. My soul was racked with eternal torment, but I am snatched, and my soul is pain no more. I rejected my Redeemer and denied that which had been spoken by our fathers. But now they that but now that they may foresee that he will come and that he remembereth every creature of his creating, he will make himself manifest unto all. Yea, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess before him. Yea, even at the last day when all men shall stand to be judged of him. Then shall they confess that he is God. Then shall they confess who live without God in the world that the judgment of an everlasting punishment is just upon them. And they shall quake and tremble and shrink beneath the glance of the all-searching, of his all-searching eye. Now it came to pass that Alma began from this time forward to teach the people. And those who were with Alma at the time of the angel appeared unto them, traveling round about throughout all the land, publishing peace to all the people, the things which they had heard and seen, and preaching the word of God in much tribulation, being greatly persecuted by those who were unbelievers, being smitten by many of them. But notwithstanding all this, they did impart much consolation to the church, confirming their faith and exhorting them, with long suffering and much travail to keep the commandments of God. Now, a note about Alma the Younger's and the sons of Mosiah, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. There are many parents who have cried mightily unto the Lord in behalf of their wayward children. But their wayward children did not receive the intervention of an angel 
and at the time of the intervention of the angel, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So why did Alma and the sons of Mosiah? And the answer is because of what they had done before they came to this life on this earth. For we find out in Alma chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, that before a man can be a candidate to become a high priest in the holy order, he must have previous to this life received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and also entered into the rest of the Lord. And when one enters into the rest of the Lord and has their calling and election made sure, it does not mean that they cannot fall, but then as they progress through eternity to become as Christ is, if they get off track, they qualify for this level of intervention. And we know that that was the case with Alma the Younger because he would become the presiding high priest in the holy order among the people. And so, the reason that Alma and the sons of Mosiah were able to receive this level of intervention is because this is the level of intervention that they qualified for. And notice that Alma the Younger had two choices. It was not a foregone conclusion that he would repent and return. If he would, he could choose to be cast off. Or he could repent and return unto Christ. Now let's go to Alma 36. where Alma recounts to his sons his own conversion experience. Starting in verse 5. And now, behold, I say unto you, if I had not been born of God, or if I had not received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, I should not have known these things. But God has, by the mouth of, holy, of his holy angel, made these things known unto me not of any worthiness of myself. For I went about with the sons of Mosiah seeking to destroy the church of God. But behold, God sent his holy angel to stop us by the way. And behold, he spake unto us as it were the voice of thunder. And the whole earth did tremble beneath our feet, and we fell to the earth. For the fear of the Lord came upon us. But behold, the voice said unto me, Arise, and I arose and stood up. And behold the angel, and beheld the angel. And he said unto me, If thou wilt of thyself be destroyed, seek no more to destroy the church of God. And it came to pass that I fell to the earth, and it was for the space of three days and three nights that I could not open my mouth, neither had I the use of my limbs. And the angel spake more things unto me which were heard by my brethren, but I did not hear them. For when I heard the words, if thou wilt be destroyed of thyself, seek no more to destroy the church of God, I was struck with such great fear and amazement, lest perhaps I should be destroyed, that I fell to the earth and I did hear no more. But I was racked with eternal torment, for my soul was harrowed up to the greatest degree and racked with all my sins. Yea, I did remember all my sins and iniquities, for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. 
Yea, saw that I had rebelled against my God and that I had not kept his holy commandments. And I had murdered many of his children or rather led them away unto destruction. Yea, and in fine, so great had been my iniquities that the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with inexpressible horror. Oh, thought I, that I could be banished and become extinct, both soul and body, that I might not be brought to stand in the presence of my God, to be judged of my deeds. And now for three days and for three nights I was racked, even with the pains of a damned soul. And it came to pass that I was, as I was thus racked with torment, while I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins, behold, I remembered also to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, a son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. And now, as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness, and am circled about by the everlasting chains of death. And now behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. Yea, I say unto you, my son, that there, was, there could be nothing so exquisite and so bitter as were my pains. Yea, and again I say unto you, my son, that on the other hand, there can be nothing so exquisite and sweet as was my joy. Yea, methought I saw even as our father Lehi saw God sitting upon his throne surrounded with numberless concourses of angels. So just as Lehi had a type two vision that accompanied his baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, so did Alma the Younger. Now it's often confused that these experiences were the second comforter, they were not. Or they did not actually go into the seventh heaven, but they had a vision of these things. Yea, methought I saw, even as our father Lehi saw, God sitting upon his throne, surrounded with numberless concourses of angels, in the attitude of singing and praising their God. Yea, and my soul did long to be there. But behold, my limbs did receive their strength again, and I stood upon my feet, and did manifest unto the people that I had been born of God, or that I had received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And from that time, even until now, I have labored without ceasing, that I might bring souls unto repentance, that I might bring them to taste of the exceeding joy of which I did taste, that they might also be born of God, or that they also might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, just as we read is the responsibility of a high priest in Alma chapter 13, verse 3. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. And now behold, O my son, the Lord doth give me exceedingly great joy in the fruit of my labors. For because of the word which he has imparted unto me, behold, many have been born of God or have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted as I have tasted. For the fruit of the tree which Lehi saw in 1 Nephi chapter 8. And to partake of that fruit is the receiving of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
for many have been born of God and have tasted as I have tasted and have seen eye to eye as I have seen. Therefore, they do know of these things of which I have spoken, as I do know, and the knowledge which I have is of God. And I have been supported under trials and troubles of every kind, yea, in all manner of afflictions, yea, God has delivered me from prison and from bonds and from death. And I do put my trust in him, and he will still deliver me. And I know that he will raise me up at the last day to dwell with him in glory. Yea, and I will praise him forever. For as he has brought our fathers out of Egypt, and has swallowed up the Egyptians in the Red Sea, and led them by his power into the promised land, yea, even, and he has delivered them out of bondage and captivity from time to time, Yea, he has also brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem and has also by his everlasting power delivered them out of bondage and captivity from time to time, even down to the present day. And I have always retained in remembrance their captivity, and ye also ought to retain in remembrance as I have done their captivity. And I would say that we, the Latter-day Saints and the people of the whole earth, are about to go into such a captivity. And we will be left there for a sufficient period of time that the wheat might be separated from the tares, that the wheat might be prepared to be gathered out on an end-time exodus, just as Lehi and his family was delivered out of Jerusalem on the eve of destruction, just as the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt on an end-time exodus, so will we, if we qualify as the strength of the Lord's house by entering into and keeping the new and everlasting covenant with him. Now, 3 Nephi chapter 11. Verse 35. And Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine, and I bear record of it from the Father, and whoso believeth in me, believeth in the Father also. And unto him will the Father bear record of me, for he will visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, believeth in me. What does that mean to believe in Christ? Does it mean a simple profession of belief? Well, Christ tells us in 3 Nephi chapter 9 what it means to believe in him. Verse 17, And as many as have received me, to them have I given to become the sons of God. And even so will I to as many as shall believe on my name. So believing on the name of Jesus Christ means the same thing to receive him. But what do they mean? Verse 20, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So to believe in Christ means to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So back in 3 Nephi chapter 11, verse 35. And unto him will the Father bear record of me. Unto whom? Will the Father bear record? Unto him 
that believeth in me or offers up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, seeks after, receives, and acts on that revelation. For he will be visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And 3 Nephi 19. Verse 8. And when they had ministered those same words which Jesus had spoken, these are the 12 disciples that Christ called. Nothing varying from the words which Jesus had spoken to the Father in the name of Jesus. They did pray for that which they desired, and they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. Now, what happened the previous night? Well, they had the second order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon. They had the first, pardon me, order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon them. Therefore, a new dispensation was opened among them. Therefore, they could receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Notice the context. Of their receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was going out and ministering to the people as they had been ministered to by Christ. Notice that they went out and ministered to the people before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 9, and they did pray for that which they most desired, and they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. And when they had thus prayed, they went down to the water's edge, and the multitude followed them. And it came to pass that Nephi went down into the water and was baptized. And he came up out of the water and began to baptize. And he baptized all those whom Jesus had chosen. And it came to pass that when they were all baptized and had come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, this is a summary of what happened. Um, I would proffer my assumption that it was Nephi's father, Nephi, who had been translated at the end of the book of Helaman, that actually came and baptized with water his son, Nephi. And the one who performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost for his son, Nephi, and that his son, Nephi, not only performed the baptism of water for the rest of the 12, but also the ordinance of baptism and of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost for the rest of the 12. Verse 14, and behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire. And it came down from heaven and the multitude did witness it and did bear record. And angels did come down out of heaven and administer unto them. Notice the pillars of fire that came down from heaven and encircled them. Now, this is not literal fire, but this is spiritual fire. And angels also came down. These are two events that always uh, are found in connection with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass that while angels were ministering unto the disciples, behold, Jesus came and stood in the midst and ministered unto them. Now, so profound an experience was the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost of Christ's 12 disciples, that Christ separates himself from them, goes off by himself, and he kneels down, and he prays unto the Father, and he thanks Father for baptizing with fire and with the Holy Ghost, the 12 whom he had chosen, and he also pleads 
for the rest of the Nephites who will believe in him because of their words. Verse 19. And it came to pass that Jesus departed out of the midst of them and went a little way off from them and bowed himself to the earth and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given the Holy Ghost unto these whom I have chosen. And it is because of their belief in me that I have chosen them out of the world. Father, I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. Father, thou hast given them the Holy Ghost because they believe in me. And we know from 3 Nephi 9 what it means to believe in Christ, to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And thou seest that they believe in me because they hear, because thou hearest them. And they pray unto me, and they pray unto me because I am with them. So, you know, here Christ tells us the occasion on which it is acceptable to pray directly to Jesus Christ, and that is when Jesus Christ is with us. And at all other times, we are to pray unto Father. And DNC 39. Verses 4 through 6. But to as many as received me were offered up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Gave I power to become my sons. My sons how? To the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For before the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we can covenant that we're willing to take upon us the name of Christ, but we cannot actually take upon us the name of Christ until he extends it to us through the formal adoption ceremony of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And even so will I to give unto as many as will receive me power to become my sons. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth my gospel receiveth me. So to receive my gospel is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And what does that mean? It means that we're willing to place everything upon the altar, receive all experiences necessary to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit, and also that we are willing to diligently seek after instruction from the Lord on what he requires us to do. And as we follow the instruction of the Spirit on what he requires us to do to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're coming to a broken heart and contrite spirit. And as we receive the experiences required to come into a broken heart and contrite spirit, then when all these things are accomplished, Christ will plead our case before Father. And when he receives permission from Father, then is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost authorized to be performed. And verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 5, he that receiveth my gospel receiveth me. And he that receiveth not my gospel receiveth not me. And this is my gospel, repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh a baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, even the comforter which showeth all things and teacheth the peaceable things of the kingdom, including how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest. Now, DNC. 7652. Again, 
to be able to perform this ordinance, here is what is required. That by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Ghost or receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. What is this power? The first order of Melchizedek priesthood. Um, the same that was sealed upon Christ's 12 disciples, which was conferred upon them in 3 Nephi 11, when he gave them the power to baptize with water to the fullness of the gospel, and sealed upon them at the end of 3 Nephi 18. And 2 Nephi 31. Verse 17. Wherefore do the things which I have told you that I have seen your Lord and your Redeemer should do? For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is to do the same thing that Christ did. In this instance, it's a prophecy about what Christ would do. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then ye are in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate, ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son. And ye have received the Holy Ghost which witnesses of the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made that if ye had entered in by the way ye should receive. And now, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, or after ye have repented, received baptism of water and fire in the Holy Ghost, I would ask you if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye have not come thus far. And now he's going to tell us exactly how they came far enough to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Save it were by the word of Christ. The word of Christ, both being in scripture and revelation, giving instruction about a broken heart and contrite spirit and being obedient to it with unshaken faith in him. Okay, this unshaken faith is the seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. This is hope or belief and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And verse 21, and now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way and there is none other way, nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. And one more aspect. When is it possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a requirement to enter into the rest of the Lord or to receive the second comforter? Well, if we go to DNC 84, verse 19, and this greater priesthood, what is this greater priesthood? It's the first order of Melchizedek priesthood being distinguished from the Aaronic priesthood in verse 18. Verse 18 said, and the Lord confirmed a priesthood also upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations, which priesthood also continueth and abideth forever with the priesthood, which is after the holiest order of God. And this greater priesthood being contrasted with the Aaronic priesthood, administereth the gospel 
and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Well, how does this first order of Melchizedek priesthood hold the key to the mysteries of the kingdom, even to the key to the knowledge of God? Well, first, a man must be ordained and sealed to this order of the priesthood before he can enter into the Lord's rest. Second, it's the power and authority to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, where the reception of which is the power of godliness being manifest unto men in the flesh, or the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, at which point one is given the key to the light of Christ to receive that instruction about how to part the veil and enter into the Lord's rest. It's this instruction or the ability to receive this instruction is the key to the knowledge of God, even the mysteries of the kingdom. Verse 20, therefore in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. Notice that we're talking about the fullness of the gospel and we're talking about ordinances plural. Remember, there's one primary ordinance in the preparatory gospel under the authority of the Aaronic priesthood, and that is baptism by water into the preparatory gospel. But the, ordinance, but the ordinances of fullness of the gospel are baptism of water and fire and the Holy Ghost. And going along with the baptismal covenant, we also have, you know, the sacrament. Now. Verse 20, therefore, in the ordinances, plural, baptism of water and fire in the Holy Ghost, the power of godliness is manifest. Ooh, the power of godliness. In the Millennial Star, Volume 4, uh, 1843, page 60, it says, in the renewal of the covenant with the children of men. What is the renewal of the covenant with the children of men? That is when a new dispensation of the fullness of the gospel um, is brought upon the earth. Well, when does this happen? When a man is ordained and sealed to the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. When did Joseph Smith open a new dispensation of the fullness of the gospel? After he had been visited by Peter, James, and John, received this order of Melchizedek priesthood, and then shortly thereafter had it sealed upon them. That was the renewal of the covenant with the children of men. However, we have to remember that about the time of the death of Joseph, um, this was taken from the earth. And so for over 175 years, we haven't had a dispensation of the fullness of the gospel. And therefore, it has not been possible to receive the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So in the renewal of the covenant with the children of men, there are many subjects of great interest to the saints and of unspeakable value. But the gift of the Holy Ghost, or the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, stands preeminently distinguished as the greatest gift that man could receive or deity bestow. Now, it doesn't mean that it's the greatest experience, because entering into the Lord's rest and what comes after is a greater experience, but this is not considered one of the gifts. The greatest gift that God can bestow or man receive is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The possession of this gift, which is the power of godliness. So when a man or woman receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is the manifestation 
of the power of godliness to men in the flesh is what constitutes the special difference between the church of the living God, meaning the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost can only be received in connection with the restoration of the fullness of the gospel. Notice that a new dispensation had been opened among the 12 apostles in Jerusalem. They received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. This was almost a year before Christ came and visited the Nephites. But even though a new dispensation had been opened among the 12 apostles, one had not yet been opened among the Nephites and would not be opened until Christ would visit them and would ordain the 12 disciples, and then that priesthood was sealed upon them. And notice that they themselves did not receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, until after that priesthood had been sealed upon them, and so it is with us today. It is not possible to receive this ordinance outside a restoration of the fullness of the gospel. It is what constitutes the special difference between the church of the living God and the multitude of systems that have originated through the will of men. So when will most of the people of the world be receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost? When men who have been ordained and sealed to this power are sent forth to gather Israel from the four corners of the earth, and as they take them the fullness of the gospel, then will they be able to receive baptism by water under authority of the Melchizedek priesthood and also the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it is my testimony that the end-time servant has indeed returned, has opened the heavens, although he has not yet come on the scene and will not come on the scene until after we have gone into bondage and after the majority of the spiritual gathering out has taken place so that he might physically gather out the strength of the Lord's house to commence the end time exodus. That which is prophesied in D and C 45 has occurred. Verse 28. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in and it has in fact come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, first among the Latter-day Saints, and then upon the people of the whole earth. And it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But they, the Latter-day Saints, receive it not. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Or in the same generation in which it comes in, it will also be fulfilled. And when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, that is when the separation of the wheat and the tares physically is finished among the Latter-day Saints. And the wheat is gathered out for the end-time exodus. The tares will be destroyed. And there shall be men standing in that generation it shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. But my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved, but among the wicked and shall lift up their voices, curse God, and die. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.